Welcome to the School of Wedding Photography. I'm here with Eric Ronald, a Melbourne-based photographer who frequently travels the world for weddings, often to exotic places. Uh, Eric runs Academy, a cross-educational platform workshop, along with Julia Archibald, another Melbourne photographer. And in 2017 and 18, Eric won the AIPP, Australian Institute of Professional Photography, Australian Album of the Year. Welcome. How are you? Yay, very good, thank you. What a lovely introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Fully deserved. Um, let's start with the simple stuff. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, so my name's Eric. I'm a wedding photographer. Um, <laughs> I am very passionate about what I do. Um, I absolutely love it. Um, and it's taken me to some really um, amazing places. Um, and I've got to work with some amazing people. Um, and I'm just so incredibly grateful for it. It's always interesting hearing anyone's story about how they get into wedding photography, but so few people, uh, just go through high school and go, Oh, I'm going to be a wedding photographer. Just like someone else might go, oh, I want to be a builder or whatever. It's, it kind of almost has a way of finding you rather than you finding it, I think. And, um, and for me and, and my path, it's been really interesting, uh, with my background in, in kind of filmmaking, that's kind of what I thought I wanted to do. And and um and kind of uh yeah got into got into filmmaking and and really loved it and really uh, enjoyed this foundation in cinematography at, um and things like that but also we we might talk about this in a bit more detail who knows but um also worked in tv for a while and you know when you do your time uh in the trenches working quite hard as i did in tv you get this wonderful appreciation for for what we do now and and it kind of puts it in perspective when you have the bad days or you're swamped or, you know, obviously it's an up and down kind of profession. Mm. Um, so it's always nice to look back and go, oh, it's just, you know, we're so lucky to do this and, and um, to be our own boss and be in charge of our own destiny. So yeah. I'm very grateful and just absolutely love what I do. And to feel like I'm, I'm a one-man band is something that I really value um compared to being on a film crew i found it just didn't work for my personality not that i'm not a team player because i definitely mm. am mm. but um uh creatively um you know it was all about watered down ideas and and battling egos and things like that which just didn't work for me so mm. anyway mm. i love what i do okay yeah. <laughs> um so do you want to tell us a little bit more about um your work in cinematography and then tv yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. So um, I guess just to lead into that, I grew up down in uh, Warrnambool, which is southwest Victoria, a bit of a country town. And um, I um, I guess I felt pretty isolated down there. It was all about footy and fighting up Commodores and that just kind of mm. wasn't my jam. <laughs> um, so I, I guess my window to the big wide world was movies. And so I really got into um, watching a lot of movies, but very... Uh, like very quickly jumped into really dissecting them mm. and realized I took a lot of interest in how they look, how it was lit, the style, the, um, yeah, the technique behind it. And um, it kind of led me down this path of getting quite obsessed about it. I was working at Woolies and stacking shelves and I think I was spending every sense that I was earning on buying, I think of that website, it was like pre-Amazon, I think it was like through CD Now or something, buying mm. all these... Um, these books and whatever about cinematography and and I just yeah I really um, was just trying to really fill my brain in the latter years of high school with just this um, all things cinematography I guess um, and of course from there um, I wanted to go off and study filmmaking so I did that and um, and basically this course was essentially a tape course we made short films like over and over again non-stop whether you'd make your own film or work on someone else's and I did that for a couple of years and um, absolutely loved that. It just, you learn so much about filmmaking and just telling a story, um, uh, in a film, um, by just doing it over and over and over again. Um, and so I really loved that process from there. I kind of went out to do my own thing and, and had some cool opportunities, like did some really, um, uh, you know, big 35 mil music videos and stuff like that for village roadshow and, um, as well as, you know, corporate stuff, short films and things like that. Um, the problem was that I got to this point where it's like I'm going down this path of, of becoming a cinematographer and I'm realizing the more and more that I do it that there's some things that I absolutely adore about it, 
and then other aspects are quite I found quite creatively frustrating where um, I just I couldn't it was hard to execute my vision in like on set um, for a whole range of reasons and I, I guess I kind of got to the point where I'm like this is kind of close but no cigar it's kind of there's some things that are so right about it but mm-hmm. my gut feeling is to that this isn't the path for me yeah which was pretty uh, which I really freaked out about it actually because it was like I dedicated so much of my time and energy into it and then kind of really getting to a point where like this isn't this isn't what I'm I'm meant to do with my life kind mm, of thing. Mm. Um, and so I basically sold my soul and I had an opportunity um, in television. So it was like as a um, kind of a work experience on Blue Healers, that old Channel 7 cop show. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <substrate>. And um, <laughs> And yeah, so from there, I basically just, I, I I guess I saw it as a path where there wasn't any other path that was really presenting itself. So I just went for it, gung-ho. And um, basically that sent me down this stream in television. So from there, um, I still did a few little projects filmmaking on the side. I didn't completely burn that, but um, essentially, yeah, from there, I, I started my career in te- television, which I did for about eight years. So I did a fair their time doing that um and in quickly moving up the ranks um i found myself as a technical director in studio television so uh, i was doing shows like deal or no deal and dancing with the stars and stuff like that and just you know churning out those studio shows which as terrible as these shows are i actually really did love it um in the sense of, you know, it was a controlled environment. Um, and it, you know, you could be creative in this weird television, in these weird television parameters, I guess. Yeah. Um, and as a technical director, as the name would suggest, it was highly technical. So you you basically um, ensure that all the equipment and the studio is set up to facilitate those particular requirements for the show. Yeah. Um, of course, like Dance with the Stars, that was live to air, so that's an extra layer of pressure to make sure we're staying um, staying on air. Um, and then, but how that is kind of relevant to the context of this discussion is also as a technical director, you oversee the camera pictures. So you've got um, what's called a CCU panel, a camera control panel for each camera. And you'll be monitoring those cameras in the control room. And essentially you're tweaking knobs and dials to, um, to color balance the cameras, make sure they, um, they cut together seamlessly okay. um, and expose correctly, contrast, yada, yada, yada. Mm, so mm. Um, it was actually really beneficial to really dial my eye into um, you know, technically precise images. Yeah. Of course, my foundation in filmmaking is more that you know, creative, um, experimental, things like that. And I guess in TV, it was quite the opposite. Things need to be very, very precise. Um, and I know that that's definitely played a very significant role for me in my foundation in photography is having just this this precision um, that it, the images needed to be perfect, particularly in studio, because obviously I did mm. the OB stuff as well, like footy and whatever, where it was a little bit more slapdash. Um, but yeah, in the studio, things needed to be perfect. You'd, you'd chart up the cameras and you'd dial them in um, to look perfect. Things like skin tones, um, all that kind of stuff was of you know paramount importance. Yeah. So uh, yeah, kind of those were these kind of two foundational kind of pillars for me was is uh, my time in filmmaking and time in TV. Um, and then from there, that um, kind of led into wedding photography, which. If you want, I can talk about how that came about, or we can yeah. go on to some other stuff. Up to you. Well, I mean, yeah, what was the progression? What was the leap? So the leap was, um, you know, I kind of saw, I guess I got to the point where um, I couldn't I couldn't progress any further in, in this TV career because any, any, like the next jump up, you're kind of getting into management stuff, which just didn't interest me. Um, and to keep doing what I was doing, I felt like I kind of had, had done that. Um, it was kind of all very safe and comfortable. Um, I was involved in um, rebuilding the control room there, which was a fairly archaic control room. And then I kind of designed and led the team to rebuild the control room. And it kind of just felt like this parting project where it's like, I've kind of done it. And, um, you know, now I'm kind of, I'm, 
I was still doing it, but um, my heart wasn't in it anymore. Mm, yeah. um, but actually what happened is I kept doing it anyway, not really seeing what else I could do. And I, I kind of found myself losing touch with myself. I kind of got a bit cynical, a little bit kind of um, a bit damaged, um, I guess, my attitude and things like that. I really felt like a bit of a, I was, I was disillusioned, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so then basically what happened on a personal level is my brother, um, over a number of years, um, he, he got diagnosed with cancer and there was a number of years where he got progressively worse and worse and, and then eventually passed away, um, which obviously, um, you know, is a, uh, a very significant life event um, for the whole family, including me. Yeah. And, um, and the, I mean, there's a lot that I can say about that, but again, in the context of this conversation, what it meant for me personally was essentially just a bit of a slap across the face going, life's short, you're not happy, mm. Mm. you know, no one else is going to do anything about it except you. So um, I kind of went through a mental shift where it's like, all right, I'm going to take the reins and I'm going to just, rather than just focusing on a career, I'm going to just live the life that I want. Because um, really, like I didn't, like a lot of other people were partying and traveling in their early 20s i was just kind of on this like career career mindset yeah and um it really meant that i didn't live much um and to this day kind of almost regretted a little bit but um anyway no regrets though i mean that's the path that that i that i went on but so anyway um from there i decided to basically quit my job and travel the world um for basically a year so going to all kinds of uh weird and wonderful places um, through the Middle East, through South America, um, Asia. And it was on that trip that I guess I was able to grieve on a personal level, mm. but also just live. I, I had literally just felt like for years before that, I just I just had my blinders on. And, and so to be able to just be present, reconnect with myself. Um, and in doing that and just observing the beauty of the world and cultures and people and landscape um i just inadvertently i mean i, I brought a camera <clears throat> pardon me i brought a camera with me not really knowing how often i'd pick it up or use it and um it turned out to be this really lovely therapeutic way of going through this process that i was going through personally mm. was uh taking pictures taking pictures of for no purpose for career or or any of that stuff it was just taking pictures because i felt like i wanted to mm. and so i did and and i think all of a sudden i realized that i just had this really powerful tool in my hand to express myself that sounded like a <laughs> something dirty there i'm not cutting that out <laughs> oh really <laughs> Um, so yeah, so all this frustrations of making a film and having this film crew and all the complexities and complications of that, I essentially had a film crew in my hand mm, mm. and, um, and all it was kind of just like penny drops. It was just like, this is awesome. This is exciting. I don't, uh, like I can just, it's just a direct connection between my mind and the camera and making pictures and it just kind of bypassed all the other stuff. So, so yeah, I photographed a lot on this trip and I, in doing so, realized that I loved it, realized that I had a style that kind of was heavily influenced by my cinematography and really coming home, um, I knew that this is what I need to do. Um, how? I had no idea. And it was really quite funny looking back at it. It was like, getting calendars printed on the iPhoto store and, and selling them to whoever would buy one, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we've been there in that form somewhere or another. And um, then from there, uh, basically, like a lot of wedding photographers, a friend asked me to shoot their wedding. And initially, I'm like, no, nah, no way. Wedding photography is lame not interested. And luckily, he was a pretty creative guy himself. And he said, no, 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 like, how you, you know, I've seen your photos, love them, just do what you did for me. Mm. Um, 
And that was kind of another penny drop kind of moment. And um, so I shot this mate's wedding and it was just this stars aligning moment like, oh, mm. um, and it was like, okay, this is, this is it. So I, you know, I, I had a motorbike at the time, sold that um, and basically just kitted myself out and, um, and just was, you know, like I've always been in life, this real single track was like, once I set my mind on something, I just, I'd make it happen. And yeah, so it was, it was, I was working in TV, picking up bits and pieces of work and then like sneaking out to meet couples and, mm. you know, uh, it was, it was quite funny. Some of the, some of the stories that came out of that time. Um, but so, yeah, it was a very difficult year, that transition, but, um, yeah, it was pretty awesome like handing in that resignation that's for sure yeah so what was the point where you decided okay i can resign now a certain number uh, basically or... yeah like i kind of um i got to a point where there was probably about a year where i was starting to book weddings like a year out and i think it was around like the month of december where i basically had to, i got myself in a situation where i just had to quit mm. um by december because I was just so heavily committed with work. Um, yeah. And I could kind of delay that too long because obviously shooting on weekends, I could actually work during the week and then shoot on the weekend, which is insane because there's obviously no time to do all the other stuff. Mm. So I kind of left it way too late because obviously it's scary to make that final jump. Um, but yeah, I did and it was just a, a wonderful feeling. Um, and from there, you know, started started shooting weddings and, you know, humble beginnings and, and doing the hard slog and, you know, um, uh, yeah, just kind of, I think like a lot of people shooting, you know, very quickly, I got quite high numbers and, and shooting around 50 weddings a year. And I was able to just sustain that for maybe a couple of years. Um, was this all in and- Melbourne? Yeah, initially it was in Melbourne and and um, kind of country Victoria. Yeah, um, and yeah, had a few good opportunities along the way that really kind of um, kind of fast forwarded my progression a bit. Um, there was one wedding in particular which was um, at the time it was kind of it was basically like the ultimate hipster Melbourne wedding at a time where no one had really seen that. Which of course that's all we see now. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it it really went mental online um and that really from there it just like just the stats on my website went crazy and tons of inquiries and everyone knew this wedding yeah Uh, so that was a really good kind of yeah it just it just i probably fast forwarded like a couple of years just from that wedding alone um so yeah yeah okay um i'm wondering how your um the background of cinematography particularly has kind of influenced how you shoot a wedding. Um, do you think it has sort of set a, um, an approach for you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think initially I just was taking photos at weddings and just kind of did it. Um, and, but I was inadvertently really leaning heavily on that background in cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that the longer I've been shooting, the more I make a conscious effort to really, kind of refer back to that. And so to answer your question, like, yes, in epic, epic proportions, um, it's, it, it, like, I guess the way I look at photographing a wedding day is, is like shooting a storyboard for a movie, um, in the sense of not only, I mean, in individual frames, you know, of often, uh, photographers might describe work as cinematic and, and it's, um, you know that it's a fairly ambiguous term, but I guess it's a vibe of a, of a dramatic image. I guess um, so. Yeah, in individual frames, um, you know, I'm very interested in um, playing with light. Um, very much love low key lighting, like a directional um, a directional light to play with, mm. um, which you know creates beautiful, um, quiet, simple images that have a lot of impact generally. Mm-hmm. Um, but so there's a lot you can talk about there in the individual frames, but I think that this kind of goes down a bit of a tangent, which is quite interesting because so 
like photography in general is so geared towards individual frames. So if you're looking in a, in a newspaper or a magazine, it's all about individual shots. Um, even a, um, like an artist, uh, you know, having an exhibition, they might have a theme of images, but it's not necessarily a sequential, uh, sequential set of images that follows from one to the next. Mm. Um, so it's really quite interesting in wedding photography because it's one of the few, um, and in fact, probably the only one that I can think of that, and that is not only just about individual frames, it's because it's a, such a momentous day. There's so much happening. There's so much that we need to document and record. It's all about capturing the day in its entirety, not mm. just a couple of good shots. Yeah. Uh, and this is where it is actually quite a unique genre of photography for that reason. And, and it, and it's quite well suited to bring in these um, principles of cinematography um, in the sense of not only taking beautiful pictures, but considering how each picture flows from one to the next and how each scene will look from one to the next. And then it gets along the, um, you know, it leads down the path of creating an engaging story. So like, if you didn't consider the, these kind of things at all, you may well shoot a wedding day on exactly the same lens and the exact same framing and, and color and light. And, um, pardon me. Um, and if you think of it in terms of a graph, you're kind of flatlining. And, mm -hmm. and if you look at it in terms of um, an engaging story, that would be kind of boring, if you like. Like if you're watching a Netflix show and every single shot looked the same, um, you're not creating dynamic and diversity and, and mood and, and uh, intensity and, and um, peaks and troughs. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm really interested in, that, in, in thinking about how each scene will look and, um, and creating that dynamics, with, which creates a, an engaging story and a beautiful story. It makes the quiet moments quieter and the, the loud moments louder. Um, it creates emotion and feeling and, um, and it goes far beyond just those individual frames. So, um, I rely on that heavily. So, you know, any, a, a simple example, cause I guess it's talking in really general terms is just often with getting ready shots. Um, it can be really, it can be a dirty hotel room. It can be chaotic. There can be people everywhere. And I really try and, uh, control that, um, and rein it in. There's plenty of opportunity in other parts of the day to capture, um, oh, yeah, there's better times of the day to focus my energy on capturing the guests and family members. Of course, they'll play a role in the getting ready shots, but I really try and just strip away the chaos and really create a mood and create quietness, mm. um, which can be really beneficial for the bride particularly when she might be a bit stressed and, and kind of need a little bit of peace and quiet then too. So mm. it's a matter of just really, um, I, I'm very much interested in creating a unique, um, what am I trying to say here? Playing around with the lighting essentially and creating a, a quietness and creating a mood that is peaceful and quiet, yeah. almost like the for the storm, if you like. Yeah. And so creating um, those kind of really quiet, dramatic images, you know, during the makeup and hair and, and then eventually when she's putting her dress on and things like that is kind of almost, if you think of it in terms of a graph, is like the really bottom, you know, quiet, peaceful kind of moment. And then if you jump to the next scene, if you like, mm. it's her walking down the aisle and then you get to go to the exact opposite part of this, this kind of graph, if you like. And so that's the exact opposite. It's bright and colorful and beautiful. And, um, and it, creates, it, it, it creates this dynamic that makes both of those beautiful because they sit next to each other yeah. um, and more powerful. So, you know, when, when the bride's walking down the aisle, bride and groom's walking down the aisle and they're having hugs with their family and there's tears rolling down their cheek, that's made all the more beautiful that there was this scene before that that was so quiet and, and peaceful. Mm. Um, you know, so you're kind of creating this dynamic, which even for people that, because um, ultimately we want our photos to be beautiful for, for anyone to look at, not just the couple themselves um, or their family. 
you know, I, I, um, I want to create stories that anyone would want to look at. And, um, and so it is important to consider the idea of, of creating an, an engaging story that's, you know, beautiful and powerful. Um, and I think, yes, yeah, so I'm very interested in doing that and, and leaning on, on cinematography to kind of see how they do it and kind of bring that into to what we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. How do you, um, I can understand this idea of, of having a, a story play out in the, in the, the series of photos that you um, provide across a day, but how do you maintain creativity? Um, not just in terms of an individual frame, but in terms of this bigger picture, this bigger sort of story that you're telling. Um, I think it's, uh, um, I mean, I guess it's each individual frame is a, is a building block. And so it's a matter of very finely tuning your vision to not only pre-visualizing the shot itself, but pre-visualizing how it will fit into the story. So mm. um, if you're shooting, you know, if you're telling a story that's in a certain location, creating shots that will communicate, like I'm, I guess I'm just thinking of things like landscape shots and stuff like that. I really try and create not just not just a photo of the location, but actually applying creativity to going, all right, well, I'm going to show off this location. How can I do that in a, in a creative way that kind of then becomes a building block um, uh, into this bigger story? So I guess just, I mean, it's essentially just life, isn't it really? Like just um, as far as looking at finding interesting light and playing with it, and then letting that lead into um, a, a, a style and a voice that flows through the story, I guess. That maybe didn't come out right, but anyway, yeah. you know what I mean? No, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, I mean, how much someone I interviewed recently was talking about play um, and how much she uh, creates her new sort of, how creative she is. She's just constantly playing with, with light and with the camera as well. Um, is that part of your approach? Absolutely. I mean, I think that it's always, I mean, my biggest fear is capturing boring images. I always want the photography to be king. Mm. Um, and in doing that, it's always looking for um, elements to play with. So it could be a technique in camera. Uh, it could be um, a, a new toy, a new gadget. Um, you know, a new light or something like that. But the common thread for me is, is always playing with light wherever, wherever possible. Um, and obviously the possibilities are infinite um, with what we can do with light. And, um, you know, I know the more it's, it almost becomes, well, in part of that play, um, you know, it becomes practice and then you kind of, you can stumble across something and then add it to your arsenal. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, this idea of, I mean, playing with light almost sounds like one of those cliche kind of expressions, but that's, mm. it's kind of all I do really. Mm. Mm. Um, and in doing that play, I think that um, you could pretend like, I guess play leads to, I'm very precise with, with kind of, how, what kind of light I select to use. And it's through that play that you then go, all right, like, yes, there's times, particularly in a portrait session is a good time to just kind of put them in some interesting light and then walk around them and, and see what you can create. But there's also other parts where it's like, I've done the play on a different day. Mm. And now it's like this situation leads me to do this exact thing yeah. with the light that um that so it's kind of yes there's that play but also it leads to adding things to your toolkit which you can draw on when you need them yeah um yeah. so yeah yeah um now i know you uh speak with younger photographers and uh i'm wondering what um mistakes you see people making um and particularly around creativity i think uh, well, I think that it's 
I, I see a lot of mistakes and I think the mistake is not putting, I mean, yeah, there's so many aspects to this question actually, which um, I think it's people not caring enough about their photography. I think that wedding photography, um, a lot of people get into it for different reasons. Um, and it's, it's, it's really geared towards, um, where it lends itself to people wanting to make a business out of their photography, which is wonderful and something that I really enjoy myself. But the mistake that I think people can make as photographers or as wedding photographers is not putting enough importance on their, on their images. Um, there can be a people that get like, it's a very common business thing to go and go, what's your goal, you know? And often it's a number of weddings or an amount of, like a um, income yeah. or something like that. And so rarely is it like a, a creative goal. Like I want to make beautiful images. Um, and so I, I think that that's one part of it is just the priority that people put on their actual photography. Then the other aspect of it is um, the source of, inspiration that photographers provide themselves anything you put in front of your eyeballs is fueling your your creativity and if all you ever look at is instagram and if all you ever look at is wedding photography on instagram that's the only thing that's going to fuel your creativity and so i think that's a huge mistake that people make is that oh i'm a wedding photographer and i want to try something different this weekend so i'm going to look at what other wedding photographers do um, to give me some ideas and it just I think it results generally speaking in a really um, stifled creativity in wedding photography in general in my opinion mm. Um, mm. because you know photography the, the opportunities are limitless like um, and if you look outside of wedding photography there is some truly remarkable stuff being created by photographers around the world like right now and there is so much that inspiration that we can all draw from these other genres. Um, and I think the mis a very common mistake is that wedding photographers aren't looking outside their bubble for inspiration. Um, so I, yeah, I, I really like to look, I, I really like to make a point of not looking at too much wedding photography. I'm always interested, mm. of course. Um, I'm not, I don't go as far as erasing it from my, from my field of view, mm. but I really, point of fueling my creativity elsewhere um of course with my interest in cinematography film plays a big part of that but mm. also um you know renaissance paintings i just adore um you know rembrandt i could just look at forever over and over again um as well as some of the other great painters as well um you know it, it is relevant to what we do when you're looking at how these amazing artists just so finely tuned and perfected natural light you know mm. these guys were using window light yeah. Um, and we can do exactly that um, today. Um, and um, so, yeah, creative inspiration outside of wedding photography is a, I think, extremely important. Um, and also, I think, you know, in that is just the danger of Instagram in general. Um, you know, we've gone from, you know, looking at images on big screens and big prints and big, big albums. And now, you know, the photography that most of us look at is in this tiny little square. Mm. And I think often, you know, I said earlier in this chat, um, I want photography to be king. Photography really can't be king on Instagram. If you look at some of the greatest photographers on the planet right now, they might have 380 followers, you know. Um, there, there isn't necessarily um, a, a good, it's not necessarily a good home for great photography mm. um inevitably it has to be that is it is the home of photography right now but it's not necessarily the safest place for our for our art um and as we all know what wins on instagram or what gets the highest numbers is not necessarily the photography it's the content of the photo whether it's a mm. you know a beautiful model or you know a herschel backpack or um you know in the wedding context um, you know, a boho dress or, um, you know, tattooed couple, you know, yeah. these aren't bad. These aren't bad things of, of course, you know, they, they can be extremely beautiful, but, um, photography can get lost in that. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, I guess also leading on from there is just trends with like editing. Um, you know, you see so obviously that um, photographers are just looking at the color palette of other wedding photographers and going, oh, I want to do that too. And putting this huge emphasis on presets, mm-hmm. um, which I think, again, photography gets lost in that. If you've got this, you know, extremely orange, muddy preset that looks cool at the moment, um, you know, how you, like, you're almost crippling yourself with what you can do with light and the photos, the kind of images that you can take on the wedding day. Um, so, yeah, I think they're some of the, some of the mistakes some that people make, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, I guess it's like letting photography and light to be king and, you know, longer I'm shooting, the less and less my presets actually do. Like they're, they're almost non-existent. Um, you know, editing with light is going to create, you know, the best images in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I know you do a lot of destination weddings. Um and I'm wondering, um, how do you find them? Um, do you enjoy doing them? Do you see yourself continuing to do them? Yeah, oh, you've so, got you've got a young family, is that right? Yeah, so I've got a son. I share him with his mum, so yeah. that kind of allows me that freedom that I need yeah. to to head overseas. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the answer is like I absolutely adore my destination stuff. Um, I can certainly feel the travel fatigue if I do too many of them, Mm. but I try and really just take on a handful of projects evenly spread throughout the year, or at least that's the ideal case. Um, doesn't always work out that way. There could be two really close together, yada, 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 but the goal is to have, you know, a handful, um, spread throughout the year. And, um, I'm fortunate to get paid appropriately for them. Um, but it's even so is so like, it's a passion project. It, Mm. you couldn't possibly, um, it's, it's really hard to, I think people would be amazed how much time I invest in my destination stuff as far as pre-production research, um, you know, pre-visualizing how it's all going to come together. Um, pre-shoots or pre-shoot or shoots before the wedding day, um, location scouting, location shots that might be kind of landscape shots that I put into the wedding day coverage that I haven't actually taken on the wedding day. Then there's the wedding day itself, which I do try and meticulously plan out. It, it really, um, it kind of calmed my anxiety a bit, just knowing that there's a game plan and, and how things are going to run. And of course, it often goes out the window, but having a good game plan is is, is a good starting point. Yeah. Um, and then after the wedding is, um, yeah, just a, a really meticulous edit. I'm, I am a perfectionist. And I think with these projects, again, I, like it kind of, transcends the money transaction i really just want to create a beautiful story for my couple Mm. and often that can mean some very late nights um really obsessing over you know what's probably you know uh, at least a thousand images that Mm. i deliver on on something like that Mm. um so there is in my mind there's like a month of my life but you know particularly a wedding like like kenya that i did in january for example um, you know, that was really, you know, I put, I put my heart and soul into it before, during and after. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I do that because I love it. Not, not for any other reason, I guess. Um, so I guess to answer your question, yes, I absolutely love it. Um, I, I see, I, I guess I try and bring, what, what am I trying to say here? I learn a lot through doing those destination weddings because I get, a lot of inspiration from these faraway places, cultures, um, and you know, it's such a unique story that's exciting. You know, at shooting weddings for many years, as you know, it can start to feel um, the same, and it's almost like you kind of want to feel something new. Mm. And um, and um, with these destination weddings, they provide a source for that. So it's like you're rediscovering being a wedding photographer each time over and over again. Yeah. 
Um, and so in doing that, it's exciting, but also you can learn a lot um, through, you know, really harnessing that inspiration that you get in those places. You can often really learn a lot of really important lessons and stumble across um, techniques and, and um, ideas that you can then bring home to the those um you know the weddings on home turf in melbourne you know could be you know 500 meters down the road so um they kind of both yes i go to these amazing places but i don't don't do it all the time and it it kind of really they complement each other well i guess um you know these weddings that i do on home turf um i really lean on those kind of lessons that i've learned on those destination weddings as well yeah yeah do you think do you yeah. think the um, the sort of boost of um, newness and the feelings of this being new again sort of sustains you? Absolutely, a hundred percent. Yes, um, I think I think without that, um, it might I might struggle to find new ideas and, and inspiration um, to to apply. Um, so yeah, it's a, it, these destination weddings do play an important role in in sustaining me and my my creativity yeah absolutely yeah yeah how do you find them is it are people find you or do you go out and sort of hunt uh it's a mixture yeah i don't i'm pretty i'm a, I'm a terrible business person um i really um they they have have ways of finding me very rarely am i finding them i don't think i've ever find them um so it could be them you know finding me online the usual kind of avenues there's certainly no kind of um yeah no no tricks or anything um it's it's probably just trying to i guess you know referring to what i said earlier i'm a terrible business person and i always want my photography to do the work for me and that's kind of my business model which isn't necessarily perfect and isn't necessarily smart but that's what i do mm. um I focus all my energy on taking the best pictures i can and let those pictures do the work for me. And I think that applies to my marketing technique, which is basically nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, um, hoping that my pictures will find their way to couples that uh, connect with those images and and want me to to capture their day. Mm. so yeah, that's that's essentially how it comes about in one way or another. Um, sometimes it might be a referral from other photographers as well, um, mates or you know someone on the other side of the world that I've met or yeah. or just you know, likes my work or something like that. So um, it's always different, but like I say, pretty pretty lazy approach. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, what do you think are the biggest challenges uh, as work to working as a wedding photographer at the moment? Well, it's certainly, we all know it's, um, there's more people doing it, um, than ever before. Sorry, the little pop up here. I'm going to close that. Um, yeah, there's more people doing it than ever before. Um, technology has really meant that anyone can get into it, which is, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's fantastic. Um, so in having that really saturated market, of course, that's going to drive the price down from a business point of view. Um, but also there's just the simple fact of getting bookings. Um, and that's something that affects everyone. Even people that have been shooting for a long time have huge names for themselves. Everyone's noticing, um, you know, some big changes recently or in the last year or two. Mm -hmm. Um, so my, my personal solution to that, and I think is important for every photographer to consider is how are you standing out from the crowd? Um, again, if you're referring to Instagram for your creative inspiration and you're essentially reproducing what you see on there, is that really going to lead to you standing out from the crowd? Um, of of course it isn't. Um, so I guess this, you know, creative journey that I'm on with wedding photography, it just inspires me even more to go down that path of creating unique images, having a unique style and approach and hopefully stop people in their tracks and go, oh, this is different. I haven't seen this before. Um, and then to dig a little deeper and hopefully see a beautiful story that's emotional and moving and, and um, is an is a artistic record of, of a, sto- a couple's story. Um, so, yeah, I think for all wedding photographers, I think it's like it's 
finding your way of standing out from from the crowd. Um, and yeah, you see photographers that have a very very different approach. It could be um, standing out from the crowd by in a portrait session doing army rolls and interpretive dance. Yeah. Um, I certainly don't do that, but that is a way of being different and, and good luck to those people. Um, love you, Johnny. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, like it's, so there's, there's so many different ways of doing that. Um, but yeah, I think being photographers, our photography is important. Mm. And, um, so finding a way for your photos to speak louder than, than everyone else's is surely a um, you know a good place to start. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so your approach is around having <clears throat> not just the story, but also the individual imagery be as perfecting that Im- imagery. Yeah, absolutely. And I think again, that kind of leads into light. Um, I'm very much. Um, interested in playing with light and composition and, um, you know, creating those dramatic images. Um, hopefully, you know, combining that with, um, some lovely emotion and and connection with the couple. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, I guess how I try and create those impactful images is, is light play. It's landscape. It's, um, um, you know, story and connection. Yeah. But it kind of those those possibilities are endless, aren't they? As far as what could lead to those images that really um, stand on their own um, mm. own two feet or whatever. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's also you know um, when I was when sorry b- before I was doing a lot of destination stuff and I was feeling kind of creatively flat, just doing um, Melbourne weddings over and over again. Um, I'd really force myself to be creative and I'd, and I'd make myself accountable. So like, um, you know, like on my, on my notes for the wedding day, I might just write down an idea that I haven't tried. And it could be something that might even be a bit lame. Like, you know, like there was a time where I wanted to muck around with HDR, like that you see in those landscape magazines in the news agents, which often looks so overbaked, but it's like, Oh, it's, I should give this a try, you know, more mm. dynamic range, like painterly yeah. look. Why not? Um, so I mucked around with that in Melbourne a few times, and then it turned out to be really handy um, to draw on that technique when I was in New Zealand on a mountaintop uh, and photographed this very iconic spot that's been photographed a million times over, um, and it happened to really stand out as, um, you know, and it went viral and all this stuff, all because mm. of just to be creative back in Melbourne mucking around with some different techniques um, and I think that yeah like I think that that was really important to I think it's a good tip for, for anyone that is interested in being you know more creative and, and really refining their style and their craft is to really kind of it could just be as simple as just having one thing on every wedding day that you try that you haven't tried before um, and it's amazing how you can start to get excited about it. Like it could just be something like taking a, um, using a really slow shutter speed, just mucking around with the slow shutter speed, Mm. but you've written it down and you have to. Mm. And then all of a sudden it's kind of in the back of your mind almost the whole day. Like, Oh, I wonder how I could use it here. I wonder how I could use it there. And then it's like, Oh, okay, here's the moment. Here's what I'm going to do. And you can really stumble across some really beautiful stuff by really forcing yourself to do that. Um, could be a um, an out of focus shot. Um, could be um, mucking around with you know um, off camera flash. Um, you know stuff that might scare you that you think oh I wouldn't possibly know how to do that. It's amazing with off camera flash how terrified people are of it when it's so incredibly simple. Mm. But you kind of there's mental barriers of like oh that's fancy I wouldn't be able to do that. Um, so yeah, I, I think that was a good way of. Um, of yeah, just forcing that creativity. Also, in doing that, you know, I, I, um, you could, like, there was one shot uh, where I basically set up a little photo booth in the corner of the reception and did a headshot of every single guest at the wedding, and then composited them together. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I love that photo. It's great. 
thank you. And and I mean, that was essentially just doing that very thing. Um, that particular shot, it was one of those things where I was going to do it. Like, I think I literally wrote it on my notes for a, a wedding that I had the day after. And then the more I thought of it, it's like, oh, actually, I need to think about this a bit more and I need to um, put a bit of preparation into how this is going to work, um, which I did. So I did a little bit more pre-production than I usually would. Um, but it came from that very thing. It was where I took that photo was a venue that I'd shot at many times before where I've been there before in the evening in reception, kind of just cruising on autopilot mm. and um, and instead made something that really made me feel good, that was exciting and different. And, um, and um, you know, uh, it got a good response. It's something different. Mm. So, mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, knowing what you know now, what advice would you uh, give yourself if you were starting out in wedding photography? That's a good question. Um, I think, I mean, a few things come to mind. I think that uh, maybe sidestepping your question a little bit is that um, people need to have patience. And I think that people look at uh, whether it's myself or they look at someone else and go, oh man, they're doing these amazing destination weddings. Like, how can I do that? Well, you know, I shot literally hundreds of weddings in Melbourne for peanuts um, before I had an opportunity to shoot overseas. And I worked incredibly hard on refining my craft, um, developing my style um, and, you know, taking pictures that couples wanted um, and there is no fast track to doing that. Mm. When I say that, you know, you see people where they, you know, a bit of creative thinking and maybe you can fast track it, but certainly that wasn't the path for me. And I think that, um, generally it requires hard work and perseverance and patience. And, um, and I, and I do see, um, I do see people lacking that, um, I'm just come in guns blazing and shoot a handful of weddings and then it's like right now i'm gonna you know book book a bunch of weddings in tuscany mm. and um you know you might be able to make that happen and good luck to them but i think generally speaking there, there's a lot to be said for having patience um um yeah but what i would say to myself i think is a little bit of that be patient and just keep your head down and keep focusing on what you're doing um um what else? Um, I think, you know, it's a never ending journey, but you know, there's the, I don't know if you've read this book called the power of now, um, by Eckhart Tolle. It's a bit of a self-help spiritual kind of thing. And it just talks about, um, essentially like the meaning of life is the present moment and really just kind of these Buddhist philosophies. But within this, they talk about the inner journey and the outer journey. And, um, you know, the, the outer journey is the stuff that means nothing. It's, it's how many followers you've got on Instagram. It's your bank balance. It's what awards you've won. You know, these things mean nothing. When you're on your deathbed, you're not going to be reminiscing about, you know, these things. Um, the inner journey is something more beautiful and, and, and way more important. And the inner journey is more along the lines of your own personal life, um, you know, I have a son and he's so, um, yes, you know, my universe and, and where my, where my heart is. Um, I've also got two parents that I love and I've got a partner in Katie that I love very much. And, and that's, what's important, um, in this inner journey. And also what's, what falls under that category of the inner journey is, um, the beauty of what I get to do. And that's, um, capturing a couple's most special day. And, um, you know, in my life, I've lost, I've, I've lost my brother, you know, I, I, the, the beauty of life isn't lost on me and how, how fleeting and how precious it can be. And, mm. and documenting this beautiful day is, is something that I can put my heart into. And, and in, in photographing a couple's wedding day, um, I almost feel like I'm giving them a part of myself. I'm getting a bit emotional now, actually. Mm. Um, 
you know, giving giving them a piece of myself, um, and and with a sincere hope that not only have I documented their day, but I've I've made it something special and something beautiful um, that will take their breath away. And I mean, that's the sorry, I'm getting real choked up. That's the inner journey, and that's something beautiful, and that's where I think we should all focus our attention on yeah. um not the other shit that means nothing, nothing. um yeah. and so to re- bring it back to your question yeah. i think i would say not only to myself when i started when i'd shot my wedding shot weddings for one two or three years i'd i still need to tell it to myself now um that this stuff doesn't mean anything we all know that social media can be frustrating um you know um, there's things like algorithms that can really shaft us and affect our business and, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. But it's like, who cares, man? We're so lucky to do what we do. And um, there is a beautiful transaction where we're being paid good money to make art for beautiful people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like that's what it's about and that's what we should focus on. So, yeah, hopefully that I got to your answer eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. Look, um, I'm kind of interested, what was it, just before when you were getting a bit emotional, what was it that was sort of triggering that? Um, I mean, I'm, a, I'm an emotional person and I, I guess I really, I really care about what I do very, very much. Like it's, it's part of who I am and it's, um, it's part of my identity and it's, a, you know, I remember having this conversation with this guy at a pub one night. He used the word symbiotic, and this word really stuck with me. And I had no idea what it meant when he told me about it. And it's essentially a, a an equal giving and receiving in a transaction. And I feel like, um, you know, just as I give the couple a piece of myself, I get something really beautiful back in return. Mm. Um, and it's something that I hold very, very dear. Um, you know, these, these experiences that I have documenting these stories, um, are things that I, that I really cherish. Um, particularly on destination weddings, not because it's a destination wedding, but because I inevitably spend a lot of time with the couple, you really get catapulted into a couple's life. Mm. You spend more time with them than anyone else on their wedding. And you have these, you know, it's not even about the photography. It's a beautiful human, experience um and i really hold them dear um i'm a i'm a bit of a quirky unusual guy and and i struggle sometimes with um you know human relationships um you know i'm i'm not necessarily the best friend or the best son or the best dad um but i certainly try Mm -hmm. um but there's something about what I do that really just makes sense to me and feels right. And, yeah. um, and there's a, there's a, something really beautiful in that, that I, that I really cherish, um, that does make me emotional and, and, um, very thankful as well. Um, and the other thing is that, um, you know, I kind of glossed over this transition into wedding photography, but, and I might get a bit emotional again, but that's all part of it. And so don't, doesn't need to get awkward. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, like my brother Lee, um, when he was, it was literally the day that he died, the last thing he said to me was, don't waste a day. Mm. And that was something that I basically had a a year to process as I, you know, traveled around the world and things like that and certainly inspired me to go overseas in the first place. But, I mean, I was so cynical at the time and damaged and and obviously upset and and kind of battling with his illness as well. but I felt very much a victim of what life was doing to me. Mm. Um, and Lee really, not only in what he said to me, but his life and his example was, um, you know, collectively really inspired me to go down the path of what I do now. Um, and so, yeah, like, yeah, like I wish he could know, like, what I've, um, done because of him yeah. Um, yeah. and you know like I remember literally taking photos of a couple um, 
at the pyramids, you know, mm. and just like losing my shit <laughs> mm. um, of how amazing it is and, and being in this exotic place that growing up in southwest Victoria, never, never in a million years did I think I would be there. Yeah. And to just have that little moment of going like, you know, like I did that because of like what what he said to what you. What he's given me. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, like, I, I, obviously it's evident in this conversation that I'm really passionate about what I do and very thankful to be doing what I do. Yeah. And it's, it's essentially so much to do with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that obviously makes me very emotional as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, well, it sounds like you are doing what he said to you. It sounds like you're, yeah. not, you're not wasting any days. Um, you do create some beautiful work, so. Yeah, thank you. And, and yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah it's, it's, um, yeah, it's crazy to think, yeah, just like the, the life that's happened after him and, and yeah, what he's kind of helped me uh, kind yeah. of find through his, through his wisdom. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Eric, thank you. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for being vulnerable and sharing those thoughts and feelings with us. Um, I do appreciate it. No, no worries. My absolute pleasure. All right. Take care.